0: You are listening to the Stand with Dignity podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. around one single sentence found written in Arabic and it's a sentence we'll keep coming back to atarju ummatun katalat hussein shafa Can a nation which killed Hussein hope in the intercession of his grandfather on the day of reckoning, the day of accounting, yawm al-hissab. What I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to attempt to present you with two texts written centuries apart in which this thought or this element revolves. And the first of these texts is taken from the Hebrew scriptures, but it's a text that's written in Aramaic and Hebrew. It's the fifth chapter of the book of the prophet Daniel, and it tells this well-known certainly amongst the hebrew community this terrible story of a man called belshazzar who was not king but who was the babylonian regent while his father was away and belshazzar gives this terrible dinner party and in the course of the dinner party while he has the scripture says while he has been drinking and is under the influence of alcohol belshazzar orders that all the sacred objects that was stolen from the temple should be brought to him so that he and his guests can use them to drink wine from and to, to, and to praise the gods who they worship, the gods of iron and bronze and gold. And as they are doing this, a, a finger appears and begins to write on the wall of Belshazzar's palace. And it's a sentence that we'll look at later, but basically what, this, what it writes is, God has numbered your days. You have been weighed on the scale, the way somebody would weigh a piece of silver, and you have been found wanting, and therefore your kingdom is to be taken from you. And in fact, that very night, Belshazzar would die. Now, the book was written in a, a mixture of Hebrew and Aramaic, and the text uh, that we're going to see now is dated between 167 and 164 BC so that the two texts we're looking at tonight are hundreds and hundreds of years apart and it belongs to a book the book of Daniel which is really a book of resistance so already in a sense the book of Daniel is in some way linked to al Hussein, whose resistance ends in the battle of Karbala that's the text very quickly King Belshazzar held a great festival for thousands of his lords by lords here is meant his the people who work for him he was drinking wine in the presence of these thousands under the influence of wine it's a very important sentence that we can underline under the influence of wine Belshazzar commanded that they bring the vessels of gold and silver that his father Nebuchadnezzar had stolen from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and all of these guests might drink from them so these vessels are brought And as they drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, so they're committing shirk here at this moment. It's a second act of blasphemy. The fingers of a human hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the wall of the palace next to the lampstand. And when the king saw these fingers writing or this finger writing, he was filled with terror. So they send for Daniel because Daniel is a young man in the kingdom who is known to be able to interpret dreams. And, and he is promised all kinds of riches by the king. And he says to the king, I don't need any of your riches. I'm going to read the sentence for you. And then I'm going to interpret. So he reads the sentence, which is written in the Chaldean language: Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsin. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Therefore, your kingdom is to be divided, and it's going to be given over to the Medes and to the Persians. Now, the reason I present this text to you from the Hebrew scriptures is because I came across some years ago while I was researching something, I came across a selection of Islamic texts recorded by the Sunni and by the Shia. And that's the second set of texts I'm offering tonight after this one, which describe a very similar story. And although each text or each version or each narrative carries different details and different places where it happens, the same strand runs through them. And I've identified four different sets of these Islamic texts, just to make it easier. There is a series of narratives of these soldiers who are traveling with the head of al Hussein from kufa uh, from from karbala to kufa or from kufa to damascus these soldiers stop for an evening and there something terrible happens to them the second set of narratives is almost the same story except this set of soldiers stops in a christian monastery And there are a number of stories about these monasteries, but in this particular monastery, they are fed by the monks and the head of Al Hussein is placed near them on a spear while they're eating and drinking. There's a third set of narratives and this one concerns a group of Muslim scholars who are in Byzantium and there they find a Byzantine church and in the church on the wall, they find this sentence that we read earlier. And fourthly, there's a set of narratives about somebody, possibly a Christian, but possibly also a Muslim, digging a well. And digging this well, they find written on a plate of gold or on a plate of silver that same sentence. And so it's these four sets of narratives that I want to try to look at very quickly tonight. The first of these is about a group of soldiers. From the army which defeats the the, the men of Al Hussein and finally kills Al Hussein at Karbala, they're traveling from Kufa. I mean, from Karbala to Kufa. That is to the palace of Ibn Ziyad, carrying with them the head of Al Hussein and sometimes maybe the heads of the other martyrs as well. In some narratives, they're in fact already leaving Kufa and on their way to Damascus. This text is first reported in a Sunni book. Uh, and, and I'm reading the, the, the version from Al Haythami. When Al Hussein was killed, they cut off his head. They were sitting down on the first stage of the journey, suggesting, therefore, somewhere between Karbala and Kufa, drinking wine. You can underline that because it occurs again and mocking or striking the head when an iron pen appeared and wrote in a line of blood cannonation that killed Al Hussein. Hope for the intercession of his grandfather on the day of recompense or the day of reward, Yaum al Hisab. And the, the earliest narratives have these men grabbing the head and fleeing from where they've stopped and carrying on with their journey. What interests me about this is that it's a, it's a story that appears very, very late in the Shiitex. texts and very, very early in the Sunni texts. So for example, a Sunni like Ibn Asakir, the historian, he records it, but it's only much later that you find it in the Shia text. In fact, it's Ibn Shahrashub, who is the first to record the story, and he claims to be transmitting it from al-Bayhaqi, who is a Sunni, except I looked in al-Bayhaqi and I can't find it. So, so he may have made a mistake in his transmission. Question is, why is it that the Shia texts are so late in recording this? It could well be that in the early years they were concentrating on other things, qualifying the the imamah, qualifying the the, the question of, of who becomes imam and when and how, qualifying some of the early theology before they began to turn their attention to some of these events which they took often from the Sunni texts. In fact, the sentence that most often occurs some Shi'i authors, and I'm thinking especially of the famous Kamal Ziyara, takes it out of the story and claims that this is a sentence that was heard recited on the night air in Medina, but also in Mecca and maybe even Jerusalem on the night that Al Hussein was killed. But this time, they, they the, But but the story begins in Mecca. It begins in Mecca with a man who is overheard praying God. Please forgive me, although I know you will not. And from that prayer in the sanctuary of Mecca develops this story. The man, we will discover, is so shocked by his sin that he can't recount it in the sanctuary and says, if I'm going to tell you my sin, we must leave the sanctuary. It reminds you again of the idea of blasphemy that runs through the story of sacred things being mocked. In fact, the name of our our regent in the Hebrew story, Belshazzar, means may the god Bel be saved and praised. So even his name is an act of blasphemy. So this text is found, first of all, most completely in a man called Al-Rawandi. Now, there are two Al-Rawandis. One of them was a Shia and he apostatized and became an atheist. That's not the one we're talking about. This is a more famous... Rawandi, who's, the, who's um, a 6th, 12th century Shi scholar, philosopher. And he has the story narrated by a famous Sunni narrator by the name of Amash, the, the blind one. A man who was known because he was short-sighted, but also was known for his humor and his sarcasm. But he's the one narrating the story. I was doing tawaf writes amash or narrates amash and i saw a man near me praying lord forgive me even though i know you will not so i got up and walked over to him and said hey you you're in the sanctuary you have no right to pray such a prayer this is the sanctuary of god it's the sanctuary of his messenger these are holy days so don't ever despair of forgiveness and he replied to me but my sin is very great and i said Bigger than the mountains, he said bigger than any mountains. I'll tell you what it is if you want, but we need to leave the sanctuary. So they leave the sanctuary, and then this man tells his story. I was one of the army of Umar bin Sa'ad when al-Hussein bin Ali was killed. And then I was one of the 40 that carried his head from Kufa to Yazid. So we're in the second stage of the journey. On the way to Syria, we stopped at a Christian monastery. We put the head on a spear had sentries stand guard over it and then the monks gave us food we sat down to eat and as we were eating a line in blood was written on the monastery wall it's the famous line can a nation that killed hussein hope for his grandfather's intercession on the day of recompense we were deeply uncomfortable so some of us got up hoping we could catch hold of this hand but it disappeared so we sat down to eat again and then rawandi unlike most other transmitters adds a second sentence as we sat down the hand came back and then it wrote no by god there is no intercessor for them on that day they will be tormented so again he said we got up and tried to grab the hand and it disappeared we came back to our food and a third time the hand appeared and wrote they killed Hussein, because they are deviants, and their judgment is at odds with the judgment of the Book of God. These additions of Rawan, Rawandi interest me a great deal, because it becomes not just a general warning about a nation who killed Al Hussein, but but a promise of divine disapproval and divine punishment. It's not just that they're not going to be interceded for, they are going to be tormented. The man praying without hope is a story that resonates through the text, because the texts of this this particular incident are all about punishment that is coming. In in Rawandi's report, the, the narrator interrupts his own prayer, his own tawaf, to approach and give advice to this man saying, you can't lose hope, but in fact, the story does not end with hope. It ends with a promise of torment. What interests me too is that Rawandi doesn't mention a pen or a finger, just writing that appears. seems curious to me that he leaves out the story because the pen is of great importance. When the pen is mentioned, it does remind you of Surah Al-Alaq, god who talked with a pen the symbolic symbolic message being that maybe people have forgotten and the same god has to reteach a message but when it's a finger it reminds of a story in the christian scriptures of jesus who writes on the ground a sentence with a finger um, saying that somebody's sins are forgiven so the third set is about a church in byzantium and it's found in a number of transmitters. We made a foray or we went on an expedition into Byzantium. We entered one of there, that is the Eastern Christian churches, and we found a verse written, and then again the same sentence, except for one change not umma anymore, but now the word for group, either ma'shar or usba. Can a group? that killed al Hussein hope for the intercession of his grandfather and the day of recompense so we said to the priests when was this written and they said 300 years before your prophet came in some texts ibn Asakir, 600 years before your prophet came and the sentence is either written on the wall of the church or it's written in a book that they find in the church Byzantium refers, of course, to the Eastern Christians. They would have called themselves Rum, Romans, but it really is Byzantium because, because they were the extension of the Roman Empire. And then finally, a fourth set of verses about somebody digging in the ground, and this is found in a number of texts. Al-Majdusi takes it from Ibn Namal hilli in his Muthir al-Ahzan. Al- we made a raid we took some prisoners among them there was an old christian we treated him with kindness and we were friendly to him and he said to us my father told me on the authority of his fathers so the form of is, isnad is there although it's a christian reciting that they were digging a well in the land of byzantium and 300 years before muhammad the arab was sent and they struck a stone on which was written a verse in the language of Al Musnad, which is the language of Seth, the son of Noah. Can a band, Usba, not an Ummah, but Usba, can a band that killed Al Hussein hope for the intercession of his grandfather on the day of recompense? It's very noteworthy this change from Ummah to Ma'shar, although Ma'shar is used quite often to mean nation, then to Usba, and Usba really means a gang. And it means a gang or a group that is bigoted or fanatic, not a, a nice gang of people. So, so it, it is of great interest to ask what the author means. Does he mean it's not the Ummah, but a small bigoted fanatic Usba gang that killed Al Hussein? Or does he mean that the Ummah is an Usba? So some reciters have gotten into trouble recently for suggesting that the Ummah is an Usba. In other words, a bad gang of people. But the suggestion here could well be reducing the threat not against the whole ummah for the death of al-Hussein, but against a small radical band. Ibn Shahrashub carries the second of these narratives on the authority of Anas bin Malik, who was a well-known transmitter. Again, a man from Najran, so almost certainly a Christian, If he was from Najran, dug a hole in which he found a gold tablet on which was written the same verse, followed by the additions. They came to him with deviant judgment because their judgment was not the same as the judgment of the book of God. Then it addresses Yazid, Yazid, you are going to be punished by the most merciful and what a punishment yours will be that's being transmitted from anas bin malik who is one of the early and well-known sunni transmitters and they find the name yazid in the text so the book of daniel is is a theology of resistance it functions in the old testament the jewish scriptures as a discourse that invites people to confront the thing that is unjust But in Daniel, it is always a non-violent confrontation. Resistance through obedience to God's covenant. Even having occasionally to compromise the covenant. And an example is that Daniel used Aramaic and Hebrew in his book to try and compromise a little bit. The theology built around Karbala is exactly the same. It is a theology of resistance. But unlike the Daniel text, it launches group of people into a, a violent situation of confrontation if you like the Husseini model of Islam against the Yazidi model of Islam in this writing of the of the on the monastery wall there's a specific link between the Belshazzar event and the the event of these soldiers Daniel doesn't tell us who the author is he just says that god sent the hand so it's not the hand of god that is seen but a hand sent by god this element is different in the arabic text it's a pen a pen of iron but it's not the hand of god no way do the arabic texts say that it was god's hand what always interests me are the similarities between these two sets of texts the aramaic text and the islamic text i'm interested firstly in the question of blasphemy that The the vessels brought from the Temple of Jerusalem and used for a drunken party are in a sense an act of blasphemy against the holy things of God in the same way that the mockery of the head of al Hussein was an act of blasphemy against a holy object, something that is holy to God. While the writing on the wall of Belshazzar is directed at Belshazzar himself, it's an indictment of his own uselessness as a regent, the soldiers and others who were associated with Al Hussein's death are not the recipients of the threat. It is the whole Ummah that is threatened by the writing. Um, there are some scholars who report the verses as addressed directly to Yazid bin Muawiyah himself. He. He had drunk a quantity of wine, says the text, when a hand emerged in the wall in front of him and wrote these verses. But I think that that's a text that has been borrowed later from the Hebrew scriptures because because there it is directed to the king himself who is drinking and written on his own wall. The consumption of alcohol plays a major role. Um, Yazid himself was accused even by the Sunni texts of having a problem with alcohol. But what interests me is that the sentence in the Aramaic, Belshazzar, under the influence, in Aramaic that means a man who has lost the capacity to be regent. He no longer has the capacity to be a governor. And it becomes a key element in the story that it's under that lack of ability that he loses his kingdom. It's curious that all of these stories take place in the context of eating and drinking. Eating and drinking generally is meant to be a celebration, but these celebrations in the court of Yazid and in the monastery turn into a situation of hopelessness and terror, as in the middle of the celebration, everything turns negative. And then finally, in in both places, these stories take place in public places, a banquet hall, a monastery, or just a location on the road between Karbala and Kufa. But they are eyewitness accounts, the soldiers themselves or the members eating and drinking in the palace of Belshazzar. The writing can't be understood by anyone. Belshazzar has to get Daniel to interpret the writing. And in the the later stories, especially of the writing on the wall in the church in Byzantium, they have to ask local Syrians to interpret the Syriac for them because they can't read it. Or the language called al-Musnad, the language of Seth has to be interpreted by locals because the the muslim discoverers can't read it so in conclusion of course the the writing on the wall of belshazzar marks the end of his reign and the end of his life in the islamic texts it's not about that sort of punishment it's about an eternal punishment a spiritual punishment through the loss of the all-important intercession of the prophet is the crucial element of those stories Belshazzar dies that night having lost his kingdom but the soldiers and others who are threatened and and all who took part in the killing of Hussein it's a spiritual punishment after death that awaits them I suppose the sentence read by Daniel to Belshazzar could apply equally to those who killed the prophets grandson God has found you wanting you've been weighed on the scale and you have been found lacking and therefore, everything is going to be taken away from you. So I leave those two stories with you tonight to think about. Um, I find them interesting because I think they have grown up, without being simply borrowed, they've grown up as parallel stories in two very distant traditions about the same element of injustice being punished by an act of God. So thank you for, for being here tonight.